Today on the show, we're talking about a crutch is your enemy. Welcome to Simple Money Solutions Podcast, your path to financial independence through deliberate lifestyle choices. My name's Courtney, I'm your host, and I'm joined with my co-host Trevor. And today we're talking about how a financial crutch can be your enemy. And I think this is a good topic because quite often uh, financial help will appear like a safety net or a rescue mechanism. And it, it might be in the short term, it, I, somebody might come along or something might come along and help you out financially in the short term. But if you end up leaning on that crutch, whatever that, that short term solution that showed up in your life is, you'll end up relying on it. And it'll be giving you this artificial sense of success when really it's this crutch that's moving you along. So we're going to go on and talk about what exactly a crutch is and the problem with a crutch. But when we do talk about the concept in general, how many people do you think listening to the show or in our society as a whole experience the phenomenon of, of relying on a crutch? It really is a perspective because I'm not allergic to somebody's help, be it physical help, financial help. In a time of crisis, I, I would hope everyone has a a support system in place that they would come. People will come to your aid. It's it's when the here's where it falls apart. So just say you had a financial crisis. Say somebody lost their job, and and you weren't prepared for that, and now. The bill collectors are knocking on your door and everything that could go wrong has gone wrong. And you have this support system. It could be your parents. It could be family, friends, but they've offered support to help you in, in, in a trying time. That is okay, but it needs to be extremely temporary. You need to look at this as, as this is as temporary as, as humanly possible. Because what happens is, if that crutch stays for too long, you end up leaning on it harder and harder. And before you know it, the, the people offering the crutch, the financial support, when they take it away, you will actually be resentful. And, and it, it turns sort of, it, it turns upside down. It's on its head at that point. So let's, let's kind of dive into that. You, you were used the word resentful, and that is an emotion that comes up in this really great uh, framework um, called toxic charity. Yeah. So I looked this, this, this was super interesting. So I heard it on another podcast, but it, it was from an uh, author's name is Bob Lupton. And he has these five stages of charity and he calls it toxic charity because it may start out with the greatest intentions, but it ends up being this horrible, uh, unsustainable, miserable thing. So it, it kind of starts with if you offer somebody charity or somebody receives charity, the emotion that person feels is appreciation. So if somebody helps you in a terrible sequence of events unfolds and you are on the doorstep of ruins and people come out of nowhere to help you, you are going to be appreciative. It is, it is going to be a natural, you don't have to practice this reaction. This is going to be your instant reaction. So, and you're probably familiar with Everyone's had some sort of help from somebody, I'm guessing, over the course of their life. Everyone's experienced appreciation. I, I'm sure you have too, Courtney. Oh, definitely. So then, then just say you you continue to be down on your luck. Then uh, another 
shoe drops and more disasters. So you just, I'm going to go with the job loss. So you lose your job and something goes wrong with your fridge and somebody shows up out of nowhere on a white horse and says, here's the money for a new fridge. I know you're in hard times. You're appreciative. So the stage two is the next time something goes wrong, you're going to feel this anticipation of charity. You're going to, you're going to, it, it's like, I hope, we get the same help again because now our washing machine stopped working. So you got appreciation, anticipation. Then level three is if, if somebody keeps coming back to help you every time something goes wrong, you end up with the emotion of expectation. So now my dishwasher doesn't work. And gee, this person helped me with my fridge. They helped me open the washer and you know, I'm expecting them to help me with this dishwasher. I mean, it's not going to fix itself, right? <laughs> no. <laughs> you know, some, somebody's got to show up and get me a new dishwasher. And if this charity continues on, the next one, number four, is entitlement. So this is where now your fridge stopped working, your washer stopped working, your dishwasher, so we'll give the appliances a break. <laughs> the tra- Your car stops working, right? You can't get it to look for a job or anything. So you're saying, hey... Mr. Whitehorse, <laughs> what's going on? My, my car, I told you, I told you last week my car stopped working. You know, are you going to help me with this or not? So that, that, that is number four. And then number five, I mean, this is when it goes completely off the rails. You end up with dependency. So once you've passed entitlement where you're expecting, now you have completely lost the ability to solve problems yourself. You, you, you no longer have a roadmap to a place you want to go, you're completely dependent on your charitable person. This is you. When something goes wrong, your instant reaction is to call them up and say, hey, my furnace stopped working. I need your help, right? You, you're, you're no longer, your toolbox is gone. You can't, your resourcefulness is, is disappeared. You just become dependent on this charitable person. So it's appreciation evolves into anticipation, evolves into expectation, evolves into entitlement, and ends with dependency. And once you have, whether you are receiving charity or giving charity, once you you see that somebody is actually dependent on you, you now, just say you you raised a family and they you launched them all, and they are independent. And then one of them falls on a hard time, I mentioned the parents because this would be a common one. They fall in hard times and they go through all these stages and they be, get back to dependency. And because it's their parents, a lot of times they're okay with that because we've been here before. And and it, it becomes hard for both parties to break this this cycle. Once you get to the dependency, it, you, you actually have to solve this off earlier. I would say if you get to entitlement, you're in real trouble. Be, whether you're offering the charity or receiving it. If you get to entitlement, I don't like your chances of of having a happy ending. Wow. So that framework, I absolutely love it. The toxic charity, five stages of kind of dependency when you eventually get to that stage. That's It's powerful. And to, to kind of break it down into the five areas, it really brings so much light to how we may feel and when we kind of get sucked or if we ever get sucked into those levels. So if you ended up with a crutch in your life, it wouldn't just show up as this very sturdy utilitarian crutch that you could 
pull out of the closet whenever you needed it that you know is a traditional crutch if you hurt your leg that's what it looks like it, it is this thing that builds up slowly over time and if you let it it turns into dependency and i'm going to say if if you went from being independent to becoming dependent on somebody it 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 happens so slowly that you you're not even going to feel shame or anything cuz it's just going to it's just going to creep into your life a little bit at a time. No, and, and I, I love that. I love that you kind of emphasize that right there, that we're not going to notice when this this happens, that we might not notice when this happens. So people might say, oh, I, I don't have a financial crutch in my life. I, I'm okay. But look and see if you have any of these emotions as it relates to money and, and people in your life going on, because it might be a sign that you are gravitating toward a financial crutch like if you're living beyond your means and when when life happens and and your fridge stops working you know what's your go-to is it is it to borrow money from your parents is it to uh, even your credit card represents a crutch right it, it, you 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 you're unable to solve that financial problem in your life so look it, your your credit card if it's if it's your financial crutch and you become dependent on it solving your problems and one day it's not going to be there you're you're not independent anymore. You're not in control of your own destiny. I love that. So I, I before we jump into kind of really talking about what a crutch is, along with the as you're probably assuming now the obvious problems with a crutch, I, a few questions for you, Trevor. So one, my first question is: so you're you're a parent, and you do have um, children who are more or less independent than you as a parent, because we all know it's probably hard to imagine. I've been told that you don't really know what it's like to be a parent until you are one. So I'm sure it is not the easiest thing ever to watch your children or child suffer financially or in any way, actually, if we're we're talking about that. But how this is, this is, it just, it seems like a tricky, muddy, kind of space to navigate when it comes to being a crutch for your child when they are in need? It is, as a parent, to watch your child struggle with anything in life is is an impossible task. And it takes, it, it takes more strength to watch them struggle and, and hoping they get to a good place and, and they, they get through their struggles it's much easier to just pull out your checkbook, write a check, I guess, e-transfer <laughs> today. <laughs> but it's much easier to, to just do that and you will sleep better at night thinking you've done the right thing. So so not serving as a crutch is really, it's it's it's, 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 it's the opposite of intuitive. Like you, as a parent, you probably want to take away all the pain that your your child experiences. So going against what your, your that kind of like innate drive in you is saying, it must be, it. I can't imagine. Well, as, as humans, we are wired to gravitate away from pain and toward pleasure. And so as a parent, you are wired to, in, in an effort to care for your children, regardless of their age, your, your effort is to help them through whatever means possible to avoid pain. But growth comes from a place of discomfort. And offering a crutch every time a little bit of discomfort shows up in someone's life, like I'll go back to if you have an injured leg at some point, you have to put weight on that leg to exercise it, to to test it. And if you continue to give somebody a crutch or be a crutch to somebody, growth never happens. And and 
I've so this is something I've witnessed. So I have seen kids in their twenties who are dependent on the charity of their parents, and those parents are in turn dependent on the charity of their parents. And I've I, I have seen this just through conversations. Obviously, I haven't checked their bank accounts, but <laughs> I have seen this through conversations, knowing the family from grandparents to child. The the charity flowed down constantly, and it. Every single party in that in that three generation pattern is guilty of a crime of of offering or needing a crutch unnecessarily, in my opinion. Oh yeah, and I, honestly, this episode today, I think why I really feel it's important to talk about this is is the whole reason that we may not think that we are harming the individuals we are serving as a crutch to we think we are just being the most loving grandparent parent family member wh- whatever you are to that person you're providing a crutch to i think you're you just feel like you are doing a good thing so here's an example of some growth so i put three children through post-secondary education and i i did it primarily through my m- me and my wife's lifestyle adjustments. So we, we, when we became empty national, we sent our kids off to school. We ramped, we didn't ramp up our life. We, we kind of even ramped it down a bit in an effort to finance that education. And here's where the growth come in. So I could have reached out to my parents or my grandparents and Hey, can you help me put my kids through school? It's really expensive. And I'm going to end up with a bunch of debt. If, if you don't, you know, that's me looking for a crutch. Or, or, or those same parents and grandparents could have looked at me and said, oh, that's got to be expensive. I wonder if we should help them out. So those conversations never happened. But what? here's where the growth came from. I realized I was living an inflated lifestyle before I started to finance my kids' education. I, I didn't know that, but I realized it, that, hey, this isn't so hard. And, and so then everyone knows I plan to be financially independent and retire at age 55. I was... You know, I was going to do that regardless, but this added a lot of certainty to that outcome, meaning I, I've realized I need less money to live off than I ever thought possible, and I'm not uncomfortable at all. So think of the growth that happened for me. Not, not only did I educate my three children, but I've realized I was actually living an inflated lifestyle, and now I don't. And I, I'm, I, I'm every bit as happy as I was before, but I'm actually more at peace knowing that I need less money than I thought I did. So that is a euphoria moment. That That is growth for me. And it was, be, it was because I didn't reach out for a crutch. So this is really off topic, but... I hearing that you had to that you ramped on your lifestyle that you were living an inflated lifestyle and based on all the conversations we've had through the show we all know that you live a very frugal life as is so uh, totally off topic but I'm just curious about how like what kind of adjustments you made and how do you notice that you were they were inflated to begin with I'm just this is you're so dialed in your finances so I'm just you piqued my interest well I was saving for a uh a, a new used car. And I realized that I didn't, you know, so, so putting my kids to school, I stretched the life out of my existing car. Well, I did that effortlessly. That car continued to be reliable. It, it actually moved three kids back and forth, school back and forth from, you know, three hours away countless times. I, 
I realized I would replace my car too soon. You know that, that so there's a, a a big lifestyle expense that I didn't incur. I I stretched the life of my car out. I went on uh, low cost, enjoyable, get back to nature type vacations, which I really I I grew to enjoy, and now I I can't wait to do them. So I, my 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 maybe peers were going on. Uh, you know, to all inclusive vacations, I was getting back to nature and loving it. I started, you know, ramping down my uh, streaming services or cable or whatever I had before and started reading more books and loving every minute of it. I have, my life has evolved into a more meaningful place, but had I reached out for that crutch, I, those discoveries would have never happened. That's, that is powerful. And the fact that you kind of shifted your perspective to get appreciation for the things that automatically, just by nature, really benefited in lifestyle deflation. So I, I love that. And you've mentioned before that by kind of ramping down your lifestyle and, and not reaching, reaching for that crutch, that that kind of served not only for you, but also for your kids who looked towards you as this this powerful place of, of appreciation, admiration for what you and your wife were doing. And that um, you mentioned that it's it's more, they kind of, and they knew that you weren't living this shopping lifestyle and, and they obviously weren't a student. So it was kind of that a mutual appreciation. Yeah, that's a good point. So m- my children maybe looked at me and, and said, hey, my parents are making sacrifices it turns out they weren't but it may have looked that way on the surface to make this whole education thing work so you know they they those children were willing to make some sacrifices of their own and maybe maybe they weren't sacrifices maybe they were new lifestyles they've designed but had i received a handout and just handed it back out to my kids there would have been no growth at all none yeah, no, and I, and so in that sense, just thinking about that now, that kind of puts a positive spin on, um, how you can live that that life more positively when you do make those adjustments and not reach out for a crutch. You kind of you and your your wife kind of spun that into the most positive way possible. And we didn't see it coming. I didn't anticipate. I, I anticipated a period of suffering. <laughs> you know, that I really did. I because. I, I have three kids going through post-secondary education. No, that sounds tough. Like, I can't imagine that. I expected, you know, uh, half a decade or longer of of just suffering (laughs) financially. But it it did not unfold that way at all. I am a stronger, more resilient person because of it. So I'm glad it happened. That's amazing. And all because you didn't reach for that crutch. And before we kind of talk about... The, the things and what kind of a crutch represents and what it is. Um, one other question for you, and that is, we've kind of spoke volumes to how much our parents can serve as a crutch, probably because it's the most common way and grandparents and stuff like that, and also credit cards. But is there any other kind of ways, any other person or thing in our life that may be a little less conventional that may represent a crutch that might not come to mind at first that maybe one of our listeners doesn't realize they're relying on as a crutch? Well, I think a crutch, I I, I tend to focus on people, but credit is, is probably the most common used crutch in our society today. And credit cards being at the top of that list, home equity line of credits, 
I know my house needed a new roof at one point and I just assumed I was going to borrow the money, put it on. And it was my wife saying, you know what? I think we can actually save the money and pay for this thing cash because it was the first roof I needed. I started a mortgage and a whole family and all that stuff going on and all the expenses that go with it and a little bit of belt tightening. And we actually put the roof on, uh, cash, right? We didn't, we didn't have to borrow any money. But I just assumed I was going to reach for that crutch to solve that that life problem, and I, and it turns out I didn't. Wow, I love that's that's it's amazing. That is amazing, and again, a space that came from growth. So I want to dive now into the five. Po- Actually, you know, you know, I, I just want to go back to. That. So it was the home repairs that that mindset that that evolved into my fifteen year mortgage. You know, once I realized. Uh, that extra money existed because we were just going to buckle her down for a short period of time to save up enough money to get a roof on the house. That was the going in plan. But then we realized uh, that was just extra money. You know, we were blowing that money before because again, our life didn't suffer when we made that adjustment because we thought, you know, we'll spend six months saving up some money to get the roof on the house. Well, we just continued putting that money, funneling that excess extra money into paying down our mortgage. So there is another example of growth. I didn't reach for the crutch, the credit as, as a form of crutch. And we ended up making lifestyle adjustments. The whole family did, because I still had a young family at the time, to get the roof on the house. And then we realized, you know what? We're going to take this extra money and continue to not spend it and put it toward a mortgage. We did some other things too, but that was that's another example of growth. Was that just a mind shift though or was that really in reality money that you didn't need or was it a combination of both well when you you make lifestyle adjustments so you cut something out of your life that you were spending before so just say we were going out to eat a lot or going to the movies or or it was obviously we didn't cut out uh you know necessities of life but the we what you realize is you're not missing these things these things were not they weren't bringing you, I wasn't terribly miserable without these extras in life. And therefore, they mustn't have bringing me a whole lot of joy. So I, I, I guess the point is, you don't know, you think you really are dependent on your cable package or you, you, know, you need to eat out because you hate cooking. But if you make those adjustments you, and you realize they're kind of painless and they weren't actually bringing you a whole lot of joy anyway, to cut them out of your life altogether, unless you give it a try or you're forced to, you realize this isn't so bad. I love that. My last thought before we do move on to what is a crutch and all the ways a crutch kind of shows up in our lives. I want to go back to quickly the toxic charity uh, framework. Is it possible that we can get to maybe anticipation stage, which is stage two, or even appreciation, and not necessarily move down that that funnel to dependency? Do you think it's possible that we can just kind of just stop our toxic charity in its tracks um, when it gets to, to anticipation? And if we even kind of reach for a toxic charity once, do you think we will automatically go back again? I think it is, so just assume it's two parties. It's a child and a parent. And if both parties are complicit in the in the transaction and they both think it's a good idea, 
it will go from appreciation to dependency, no question. But if one of the parties decides, you know, this is not a road I want to go down, I know I have to take this charity or I know I have to offer this charity this one time because this person is really down on their luck, but I don't want this to continue. So if one party is not okay with this arrangement going on indefinitely, then you you can get to appreciation or anticipation and it stop. That, that is possible. But it, and it probably will go past appreciation. It, you know, if this is, if somebody needs help and you're offering help, you know, you're going to look for a pattern of behavior. And so hopefully once it gets to the second stage of anticipation, the, the either the, the receiver or the giver identifies that and says, okay, you, you have to sort this out. It's not temporary. It's, it's, it's a chronic problem. You know, you, you got to fix this. So, but if both parties are, are okay with the arrangement, it will get to dependency. No question. This is, that's not even a maybe it's a for sure. Wow. So it's, a, it's just a kind of a dangerous space to be in then. And I, I think definitely this is an important framework to consider when you are maybe put in that position where you can either be the provider or the recipient of, 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 of financial charity. Actually, if you want to do a visualization, so if the crutch you are offered is a, uh, made of platinum <laughs> and it's when it's super lightweight and ultra comfortable. Okay. If that's the crutch you're being offered, that means the person is okay with this arrangement. Who's offering the charity. But if you get some rickety old thing cobbled together out of a couple of sticks of wood, if that's, you know, your visualization of the crutch you're getting, then the person offering the charity probably wants this to be super temporary. <laughs> I like that. So uh, we've talked enough about kind of the talk to charity framework. I want to go into talking about what is a crutch in the five kind of ways that that kind of plays out in our lives. So first is the traditional way we conceive and think about a crutch. So sorry, I think it's important to to be able to identify crutches in your life because they don't always look like a crutch at at first, right? And you, if you don't identify it as a crutch, you will be to the dependency stage before you know it, and you're gonna, and then trying to undo that becomes very hard. So, a traditional crutch. If, so again, you think that something you lean on because of an unanticipated event. So something happens, you didn't see it coming, and you weren't prepared for it. So somebody offers you help. So when we when we're looking at this, and I, I love that kind of a crutch for it's it, it kind of represents the actual crutch that maybe you, you need in in a time where maybe you broke your leg or your foot, so you need a crutch. So it works in the same way, I, and I love that in that sense. But going back to just what you said, when that happens, that I'm just thinking about it. That's like poor planning on your part. That's you not saving up for that dishwasher that's on the fritz and you know might might go that's it's kind of on you and by passing that off onto someone else or something else it's kind of passing that blame passing that that poor poor planning off to again something else or someone else that is true but just picture a whole bunch of bad events just stacking up behind each other just say you lose your job your car stops working and your fridge stops working and your furnace stops working. I mean, you stack enough life events up behind each other and you can't possibly 
anticipate them all or be financially prepared for all those things to happen at the same time. So I am not saying for a minute that people don't need a financial crutch in their life occasionally. It, it's real and you probably will at some point need a financial crutch and you should probably be willing to offer a financial crutch at some point in your life. So, but if it's through poor planning, then this is when you've got way down the, the chain of toxic charity and you're probably into the dependency area if you're just not planning for life to happen. But then if we're talking about that kind of awful scenario of just really random bad luck stacked on bad luck, it is, I mean, you were describing that and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is, this is where, this is where a crutch is going to come in tenfold to, to help me out of that if that's happening to me. But it's it's not easy to turn away, I'm sure, from from someone who's reaching out to help you lend a hand in this scenario. So how do you, as a potential recipient, how do you kind of say thank you but no thank you to someone who is, is reaching out to kind of come to your rescue? Well, I think you if, if you decide you don't want a financial crutch and you're going to ch- make changes to your life to solve this problem. So here's an example. So you know the thing I described. So your, your, your furnace stopped working, your car stopped working, your fridge stopped working. You, you, so chances are you, you bought a really old house and a really old car because you bought more house than you could afford and you're trying to buy a, a Cadillac Escalade, but you could only afford one that was 14 years old so everything's going wrong with it. You should have bought like a Toyota Corolla instead. So, I mean, if you make bad decisions, again, this will show up. If you need the crutch once, you will be appreciative. But if you keep making bad decisions, it ends up being a dependency thing. So your bad decisions make you reaching for a crutch all the time. Then I just think, if somebody's offering you help and it this you kind of saying you know i've i've heard this song before like i we this seems to be a regular occurrence i i think you you probably need to look at yourself look in the mirror and say i need to change something i every time i turn around i need a financial crutch in my life this this can't continue you know if you think of if credit if that is your financial crutch then uh, luckily the financial system, they're only going to loan you so much money. They're going to solve that problem for you. <laughs> so you don't, you don't have to worry about that one. If, if you go back to that crutch and you become dependent on it, there's only so much credit available to everybody. Uh, the, the financial institutions will help you with that one. It's your, it's the loving parent or the loving relative or the close friend. Those are the people that you can continue to abuse as a financial crutch that there's no off switch. But if, if you're in that really tough place though, where all the bad things stack on top of one another, that everything goes wrong, everything breaks down. I, how, I, I, how do you make that? Like I, I, that tough call, that tough call to say no, like that's, is, is there a secret to it? Or is that just practice? Is that just, 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 just going with, with the no, I, I don't need a crutch. I can get it out of this myself. Like, in that moment, in that moment, if that was your situation, I mean, it's it's way too easy to to reach for that charity. Well, so when you need a crutch, the first thing you should be seeing is, how can I get myself into a situation where I don't need a crutch again? Or, you know, because if you need a crutch and someone gives it to you, 
you're okay, like I said the first time if it's just once then I say take the crutch you know if, if that's going to solve your problem short term but then look in the mirror and say did I cause this right. or, or how can I avoid this I'm living too close to the edge if, if I need this crutch again so, so it's, if, it's more what, what you do with that information when you come into the situation than if you accept the crutch in that exact moment it's more it's more how you reflect on it after so, so this never happened to me but just say my I had a young family in a, in, a, in a house and my my car broke down and I couldn't get to work. You know, maybe I maybe you call up your parents and say, hey, can I borrow your car? I need to get to work today. My car stopped working. So there's a crutch, right? And it, crisis happens. You got to get to work. You need a car to get there. Um, you know, just say public transit is not an option. So you borrow their car and your car gets towed to the garage. It gets fixed. And then a week later, your car won't start. And you call your parents back and say, hey, can I borrow your car? My car won't start, right? And your parents say, oh, absolutely. You know, and they tow your car to the garage. Your parents come over, drop off their car. You drive it to work. Then uh, you, you, if you see this pattern unfolding over and over, you have a problem that needs to be solved. You can't keep going back to that crutch. Like at some point, something here is not working. So again, if, if you have to, by all means use the crush the first time if you need to use it the second time but after that you have to change something something has there's a problem a bigger problem that has to be solved it's not your cars breaking down there's there's something bigger going on you either have too much house too much something that you can't afford a reliable car that's the root of the problem so if somebody if there was no crutch in your life you'd have to solve that nut right away right you 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 didn't get to work that day you didn't get paid I, this can't continue. I have to. I have to solve this. Uh, I can't afford a reliable car problem now. Not after I've bored my parents' car for the third time. I love that. That is that is an ex- incredible example. Uh, so the second second area that we can talk about when, when we're talking about what serves as a crutch, what is a crutch, is hand out rather than hand up. So this one is if if again. If you're the, again, it, it doesn't matter if you're the recipient or the the giver or the receiver of the crutch, the financial crutch, but if you're getting handouts, meaning somebody is, here's an example. Just say my dishwasher stopped working. Actually, it did recently, <laughs> <laughs> just if anybody cares. Uh, somebody would just say, well, I'll buy you a new dishwasher. You know, they don't cost that much. They do actually, but <laughs> pretend. Um, but if somebody come over and said, "Hey, let's take a look at it. Maybe we can fix it." You know, I I had a dishwasher go down on me, and you know, for a hundred and twenty dollars, I was able to replace the pump, and it was up and running. So that that's the example of a handout versus a hand up. So if my dishwasher stopped working, and you say you call up your 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 father, your your mother, whoever's good with dishwashers, and they come over and and they help you fix it, to me. That's a hand up. But if they just say, hey, I'll call Home Depot and have a new, a new one sent to your house, that's a hand out. So there was no growth in in you know your parents calling Home Depot and ordering you a new dishwasher, but there was growth in somebody come over and helping you fix your broken dishwasher you, because you became resourceful. Now, the next time your dishwasher breaks, it might not be the same thing, but you're going to be more comfortable yanking that thing out and, and trying to figure out what's wrong with it. Somebody showed you how to troubleshoot a dishwasher. So that's an example where uh, 
a hand up is kind of like teach someone to fish, feed them for a lifetime, or catch a fish. If, I don't know more about this. <laughs> if you give someone fish, you feed them for a day. Teach them how to fish, you feed them for a lifetime. Yes, I've heard that, and it is it is it is true in in many senses as well as this. And I love that distinction between um, offering offering kind of a financial fix versus offering more of a share of knowledge and skills and expertise and wisdom. There's that kind of non-monetary benefit, I guess, or, or sharing of, of non-monetary things that come into play. And I think that might be the one of the distinctions between handout rather than hand up. And, and I'll just say, regardless of what side of that transaction you're on with a dishwasher example, there's more effort involved in giving a hand up than there is in giving a hand out for both parties. So it's going to take more effort, more growth. So the person who knows how to troubleshoot dishwashers, they get to come over and teach someone how to troubleshoot a dishwasher. That's very rewarding in itself. And then the person learning how they gain something, but they may have lost a whole weekend in, in time in doing that hand up versus hand out. Because the, the first problem is just solve with a phone call, the Home Depot, hey, send me a new dishwasher. The Trying to troubleshoot and fix it and go to the hardware store, get all the parts, come back, try to fix it, go back to the hardware store, you got the wrong parts, <laughs> come back, fix it. You know, that's effort, but you you develop a resourcefulness. And you must have a great appreciation for individuals in your life who both ask for uh, a hand up and for from you and and maybe you serve as the giver of a hand up as well as those that take the time to give you a hand up as well it, it must be such a rewarding experience oh it is to, to to give somebody a hand up is is incredibly rewarding but i've also tried to offer a hand up to somebody who wants a hand out and that's frustrating as can Ooh, be. Ooh, that is a that's a great point. It when it, it, one a, a point where you when you get when someone is not in that space, who who maybe is already in the toxic charity um, chain of events and is mo- is moved to expectation, and and they're not kind of in that space to to be a, over a positive receiver of a hand up. You know the one with the car. You know my car won't start again. Hey, Dad, can I borrow your car to get to work? And, you know, that person might say on the third phone call, hey, why don't we crack open the hood and take a look at it? Maybe we can fix this problem. That's kind of a way of breaking that toxic charity chain. That person might be alerted to that saying, hey, I think I may have gone to the well one too many times <laughs> to borrow my, my, my dad's car to get to work. He wants to help me fix my car. Like he's still going to give me his car today. But tonight when you get home from work, we're going to open the hood and see if we can solve this. So that's that's a way you can break it. I love that. And a positive way to, I mean, we keep talking about the parent and child or the parent and adult child maybe, or in, sorry, a parent and their adult um, son or daughter. But the, it's, 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 a, could, it's a positive example that works, and I'm sure, in a multitude of different relationships as well. Well, and that's an example of, you know, rather than if somebody asks for help and you, you just say, hey, no, you know, we've been, we've done this three times. Uh, I can't loan you my car again. But a way to break it is saying, hey, I will loan you my car, but carve some time out tonight. We're going to try to fix this problem. Or, you know, I'm going to take you out and, and we're going to go look at some used cars that are actually reliable. You know, some, come up with a, a solution to this problem, not, 
borrowing my car is the solution. So the third way that a crutch um, kind of takes place in our life is it, it's, it's kind of a limiting belief. So this is you, it, you, you don't develop the resourcefulness to solve problems. So you end up thinking the, the solution to my problems is, is the size of my social network, the size of my, of my people that care about me. You know, that, that is, and so you might say, well, gee, I need a window guy in my life because <laughs> I got window problems, right? I don't know anybody that's good with windows, you know, I got a furnace guy, you know, he's a friend of mine and I, I got a, a fridge guy. I know I, I got a guy who's good with dishwashers. I don't have a window guy. I need a window. So you end up, you end up sort of building your social circle based on what people can offer you. So you, it, it's a limiting belief in that. You, you can't solve your own problems unless you have this social network of people that can help you. And I, I think sometimes being left to your own devices to solve a problem, you know, I, I talk about YouTube all the time. It's a remarkable place for solving problems. Like, I mean, if you, if you can avoid going down the rabbit hole of lions eating gazelles, you can find a wealth of information on how to solve almost anything. I, there's just one thing I did on YouTube. So <laughs> One of my kids, they dropped their laptop computer and the power cable connection broke. And I watched a YouTube video and I watched how to take the laptop apart and fix that by soldering it together and re reconnecting it. And I remember when <laughs> my wife was watching me and I remember I got it all back together and hit the power button and it turned on. And I must have jumped about, you know, six feet <laughs> out of my chair because I was not expecting this thing to turn back on ever. <laughs> I had it so far apart and she goes, she thought I got shocked when I turned it on. She thought I got elected. That's how high I jumped. And I was able to fix that computer and I, I was mind blowing. Like this is going back quite a few years, but that is, and so, and I, it, all of a sudden I felt I could fix anything electronic. Like it was remarkable. So I didn't believe, so I had this limiting belief that if electronic things broke, you threw them out, right? Or responsibly in uh, e-waste. Or store them in your but, basement, maybe. <laughs> yeah, or store them in your basement until you got too many. But, but I never thought about doing repairs to them. But this one freshened me because the computer was kind of new and it kind of broke because of an accident. And I thought, that's crazy. If we're going to get rid of a perfectly good computer because I can't plug it into electricity. That's, that's, that's not good. So I decided to fix So. I had this limiting belief that I couldn't fix the electronics. They were just disposable. And then I actually fixed one. And then from then on, whenever something stops working electronic, I say, "How? let's let's go to YouTube and see if we can fix this. Somebody else must have had this problem. That is it's so powerful. And that kind of whole thought process applies. It applied for your computer, but it can apply in in a multitude of different aspects in our life. And it's just empowering, I think, uh, place to be in. I mean, your example, you probably then and still do feel so empowered to, to solve the own, your, the problems that kind of maybe surface in your life. And it's, it's a great way to, like you said, become more resilient and, and believe that you have the devices to get out of a situation and you don't kind of immediately have to turn to, um, someone else, aka a crutch in our life to, to get out of that scenario. So the crutch for this broken computer, you know, just say I bought this computer for my kid, they need it for school, and it drops and breaks, 
and it's not under warranty or anything, and I don't have the money for another one. So I, I, you know, you would pull out your credit card and say, well, and this is, you would justify it in that my kid needs this for school. You know, it's for education. And, and you'd be okay putting it on your credit card because it's for your child. It's for their school. This It's for their education. You know, let's do this. It, it, it just makes sense. But the, the limiting belief that, that you can't fix it, it would, would lead you to that financial crutch. And so I, I, again, I refused at that particular time to not accept the crutch. So I, I love, I love what you said there, that just, that word justification. And it comes up a lot when we are talking about the decisions we make in, in a personal finance sense, but it, it that is super, super prevalent when we are talking about crutches, because we can justify, especially when it comes to our kids, we can probably justify being a crutch for pretty much anything in any in any type of form, whether it's maybe just monetary or just providing support. There's there's a lot of ways that the the word justification comes into play when we're, when we're talking about this. Well, and it, it, with kids and parents, it, it's really you know that's the obvious crutch in most people's lives, and it's. You want to, it, it, parents tend to want their kids to not have to go through the same struggles they did. That, that is a common thing. I talk to parents, I witness parents, you know, I ask them, you know, why they did certain things. And they said, well, I remember struggling with this. I don't want my, my child to struggle with it. But a lot of times those struggles are rites of passage. Those are, you're the person you are today because of the struggle you had. So why would you rob your children of becoming the better person for the struggle that that made you a better person. Like everyone wants to pave the road and make it smooth for their children when really you're just robbing them of growth opportunities. I'm not saying every time. I mean, someone's down on their luck time after time, they might need help. But at some point, those struggles make them stronger, better people. No, that's that's well said. The next crutch is the... The, it's so doing versus showing. So if you are in need of a financial crutch, this is kind of more from the perspective of the person who needs one. And if you know there's some guy who's going to come over and just fix your problem, so that sounds like it's not a crutch, right? But they're actually, it's not cost, there's no financial thing in there, but you're you're reliant on this problem, to the person to solve your problem. So I, I had a, these gas fireplaces in my house. And I remember the pilot light went out on one of them. And uh, I had somebody in my family who was a gas fitter. So, and I was kind of terrified of messing with gas and trying to re- relight the, the fireplace. And this person would come over and I, again, my fear of, of gas, I, I didn't even want to be near it when they were doing it. And they'd light the pilot light and go on their merry way. And I use my fireplace. And then lo and behold, I go to turn it on next year, the pilot lights out. So I kept relying on this person as a crutch to to light my fireplace. It didn't seem like a huge inconvenience for them. You know, I, I had to be patient for whenever they were available. But I, I had to get over that fear and, and come to the... I asked this person, can you show me? how? how to, and they actually didn't want to. So the person was a doer, not a shower. And actually, that and that represented more of a burden to this person, as it turned out than them coming over and doing it every year for me. So I ended up forcing this person to be a teacher for me, but they didn't want to be. So 
they they were okay being my crutch to lighting my fireplace. I know that's not a financial example, but it could have been in that I could have been calling a company up and paying them to come in and light the pilot on my fireplace and not learning how to do it myself. So uh, again, I was looking for a teacher. This person didn't want to be a teacher. I actually forced them to be a teacher <laughs> against their will. And I learned how to do it myself because I what I, I was getting tired of calling that same person. I was going to actually call a company to do it, but I figured, okay, they're not going to teach me either. This is a billing they're not going to get. So that, that's an example. So look for teachers in your life. If, if you don't want a financial crutch, but you need help, look for people that you are that you know will be patient and take the time to teach you. You said something so key there, and I, I want to go back to that. So you you preferred to call the, this person who's a gas fitter to, to come over and then eventually show you because you knew that a company made money by being your crutch. And I, I, I want to talk about that because do you think that maybe we live in a society where we are encouraged to rely on crutches because that's just I mean maybe back in the day we we all kind of it was I mean way way back in the day we were a community and we shared our skills and we worked together as a team to solve problems like in, in the kind of the settlement days and like maybe that was the the thing and then flash forward to today it, it kind of seems like there's a there's a whole business around let me help you solve your problems so there there's a confusion there so there's a sense of community so I remember when I was a kid my dad, <laughs> this is not this is true. This happened every time. Somebody on my street would throw the hood up on their car, right? Saturday, Saturday morning, they put the hood up on their car, and all the men in the neighborhood, I hate to be sexist, but it was always the men, would come over to see what the guy was doing to his car. <laughs> and before you knew it, there was, you know, six guys changing the spark plugs on this guy's car, right? And they just had a good time. It was kind of almost a social gathering and they would all come over and do that. And I remember my dad once, he got up before breakfast, <laughs> opened the hood of his car and went inside, ate breakfast, drank a coffee. He came out and there was a couple of guys leaning on the fender of his car, <laughs> waiting to see what he was going to do to it. <laughs> and I didn't realize he was doing that on purpose. Like he, he put his hood up prematurely, Right? He put his it up so it's kind of like running a flag up the flagpole. Everyone knows, oh, let's see what's going over at, at their house. And, you know, he's working on his car. It's a nice sunny Saturday day. I'll go spend, a, you know, the morning over there drinking some coffee and changing some spark plugs or whatever it is they're doing. But you'd get this community of people and they would all sort of share their knowledge to solve the problem. But I'll say when somebody else's hood went up on their car, my, my father was over there with his toolbox and you know between all the guys in the street there they all they all had one of them had the tool they needed and the the knowledge to solve the problem so it was a community so they kind of i don't know if that really qualifies as a crutch but today if i threw my hood up in my car somebody probably come along and steal my bag <laughs> <laughs> no i don't know about that but but i don't think i would get uh, a sniff of anybody wanting to come over because of what you're saying. I think we, we we're kind of with cars and in their technological advancement, I think there's less and less you can do to a car. So that's something where you end up having to pay somebody. So I don't think that's a crutch anymore. That's just an evolution of technology. 
No, but just just in general, though, for for everything, I think we, I th- I think because we are more of an independent society, in in the sense of like you're saying that might not happen, but we are we're kind of maybe I don't know. I tell me if I'm wrong here, but we've kind of been conditioned to deal with things maybe more on our own than as a community in a sense and therefore there is now kind of a service for for everything to help with everything to do and so we stop maybe relying on our own devices to to um kind of maybe repair what is is wrong in our lives or fix or help help supplement whatever is is going on and that kind of extends i think to everything and we lose that like you're saying the sense of resource resourcefulness and I just I, I think it's I think it's powerful the way I think it, everything's just shifted you know what I mean like everything is just it's it's not that sense of community it's more of the individual just what can my money buy me in terms of solution well I, I do agree to some degree there's been a, an evolution in the wrong direction but in saying that technology and like so cars are more reliable today than they were when my dad was trying to fix his car and everyone was leaning on the fenders trying to help him. They're more reliable today, but they're also more complicated. So the problem is harder to solve, but it needs to be solved less often. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I see that. So I I think we've evolved in technology in that a lot of the things we use and and need in life, like like refrigerators, they're very predictable, very reliable. But you know, that's that's an example where a fridge used to last a long time back in the day. But they they cost more, I guess. But I, I just think technology has created this thing that that you're describing, and I think it's it's not so much a lack of community. I like to think we're we're still people willing to help each other, not in the form of a crutch, but as a community. No, I, I definitely agree with that. So finally, on our list of kind of defining what a crutch is and how it shows up in our lives is decision making versus philosophies and this really reminds me of the episode we we just recorded well a good example one this one is just say uh one of my children want to buy their first used car and they they're going to buy used cars because i told them <laughs> it's a good idea just, just say that that that's the knowledge you're going with and they're going to say hey can you help me buy a car i i i don't know the first thing about buying a used car can you help me and I would say, well, go buy yourself a Honda Civic, done, <laughs> right? That's me making a decision for them. But, and that takes very little effort. And But the next time they come to me and they say, hey, uh, I bought another Honda Civic, but I can't fit my six kids in it, you know? <laughs> I made a horrible decision. And I would say, well, why did you buy a Honda Civic? Well, you, you said that was a good car last time. And so I bought it again this time without even asking you. I thought I was being independent. And I'd say, well, if you would have asked me, I would have shared my car buying philosophy with you and it would allow you to buy the car that meets your needs but still know what to look for and so for me to show one of my children how to buy a used car the first time is not a crutch that is a sharing of philosophies and information if they come back to me the second time and say hey i need to buy another car you know it's five eight years later this car's worn out i need another one i would say well you know Take what I told you last time and go get that car. <laughs> you know, that, that that's kind of what I'd say the second time because I don't want to be an enabler to their dependency on me for every time they need a car. 
And and that speaks volumes, I think, to how you feel valued as or how your advice, I guess, to your child or to anyone uh, makes you feel valued and how you are contributing philosophies to someone who is in that same situation. So it's, it's a great way to, I think, more positively um, use use your skills and, and what you have to offer as a crutch. And that's actually something I wanted to ask you is that when we, a crutch kind of is such a negative thing, but when we use it in a more positive sense, like can we talk about a crutch in a positive sense? If we are talking from this specific point of sharing philosophies versus decision-making, or does that simply um, not a crutch at all at that point? Well, the, the decision-making is the crutch. So if you keep going back to the same person to make decisions for you, they represent a crutch in decision-making. Where if they were to share their philosophies with you, which would take much longer and more effort, they are not a crutch to you. They are a source of information. So if, if you keep going back to the person, you know, I, uh, I'm thinking I've been, I have a job opportunity I've been offered. I was thinking of taking it. What do you think I should do? And I say, well, you know, tell me the, the details. And I say, well, you should take that job. It sounds like a good one. And then they come back to you later and says, hey, I got another job opportunity. Uh, what do you think I should do? Here's all the details. And I go, oh, well, I'd stay at the job you have. You know, that sounds like a better opportunity. So clearly I'm a crutch to that person for job making decisions, right? They, they have not solved that nut. They, they, they are leaning on me every time they want to change jobs or they presented with a new job opportunity. They're leaning on me. If, if I help them, you know, with their, their second job, and, and I share the philosophies on what I think a good employer is and what a good opportunity looks like, and they make their own decision, then the next job they look for, they, they'll be better positioned to make a decision on that. I love that. I absolutely love that. So the final section we're going to talk about then is the problems with a crutch. And at this point, you're probably realizing that there are quite a few problems with relying on a crutch. There are six of them that we have outlined, with number one being the one that we've kind of already talked about and is, is pretty blatantly obvious is we don't just develop a resourceful toolbox. So if somebody's always presenting you with a crutch, then the resourcefulness you have developed is the ability to use a phone. <laughs> but that is the extent of your toolbox is when I have a financial crisis, I pick up my phone, I call my friend, my parent, whoever, and they e-transfer me money, problem solved. You know, that, that is your toolbox, is your ability to operate an iPhone. <laughs> now, or, or you, you, the ability to pull a credit card out of your wallet you know, that, that is my ability to solve financial problems is my credit card is my go-to solution for everything. Or when something goes wrong in my house, my home equity line of credit. If, if I've mastered how to access my home equity line of credit, every time something goes wrong in my house, I literally, it, it's attached to my bank card. All I got to do is go into Home Depot and show them this card, problem solved. So you don't end up being resourceful if you have any crutch, be it credit or a family or a friend helping you solve your financial problems. And I think buried within your resourceful toolbox is not just the fiscal skill set of, oh, I, I know how to repair my dishwasher when it breaks, but more of the the rudimentary skills such as confidence and 
and confidence in your decisions and ability to make decisions and kind of the really important soft skills that may not get developed if you were always looking to others for, I think, answers. Would you agree with that, Trevor? Oh, absolutely. And I've said you, you, you're going to learn more from your mistakes in life than you will your successes. Because when you have a success in life, you have no idea whether you just were at the right place at the right time or if, if you actually knew what you were doing and, and it was your, your input that led to that great outcome. But when things go wrong, if things go bad, like just say you bought a, I keep cutting dishwashers because I had one go down on me. <laughs> just say I bought a used dishwasher off of Kijiji because it was a really good price. I put it in my house and it only lasted for six months. I learned something there. You know, used dishwashers are maybe not the best financial decision you could make, right? So you you learn a lot from your mistakes. You, there's a lot of growth there. The second problem with a crutch is that if you rely on a crutch, you may have to live your life under somebody else's rules. So let's just say you needed money to fix your transmission in your car and your parents stepped up and said, hey, we know you're in a tough spot. Here's the $1,500 for the rebuilt transmission in your, your car, your Cadillac Escalade that you shouldn't have bought. <laughs> but let's just, so, and then all of a sudden, your friends at work say, hey, we're going to Cuba for an all-inclusive in February. Are you in or not? And you say, well, of course I'm in. You know, who doesn't want to go to Cuba in February? And then all these, your parents say, hey, you know, you're going to Cuba. I gave you 1500 bucks for your car. That was a loan, not a donation. <laughs> you know, how are you, when are you planning on paying me back? All of a sudden you're saying, okay, maybe I can't afford to go to Cuba. You know, I, my parents don't think it's a good idea. You know, you could see where this goes, right? Oh yeah, it's, it's, a, this, it's a rabbit hole. All of hole. a sudden you're planning your vacation based on your parents' input because they've been financing some aspect of your life. So you end up not being the ruler of your own domain. It's, it's possible that, that, that you're, again, if you're using a crutch and then trying to live uh, uh, your own life, that the people that are sort of helping you, if you're to the dependency stage in the toxic charity, you definitely are living under somebody else's set of rules. And it really probably masks some underlying problems or problems or issues that you are actually experiencing, like you said, kind of living beyond your means or um, difficulties in saving or or overspending or living uh, uninflated lifestyle. All those things are going to get hidden and, and buried when you keep relying on that crutch. You know, I don't want to sound like this heartless parent who doesn't <laughs> want to help their children in any way. I am always looking for excuses to give things to my children. And you know, Christmas is a great one. Birthdays. I'm always looking for reasons to write checks or send e-transfers to my children. I, I want to help them. And at a subconscious, subconscious level, I want them to avoid the struggles I had, even if that's the wrong thing to do. I, I find myself wanting to help them avoid those struggles and, and make their path smoother than mine, even though it could limit their growth. It's happening at a subconscious level. That's what parents do. You, you can't turn that off. And it's a struggle to, I guess I said it earlier in the show, it's a struggle as a parent to not want to help your children in every way possible. Definitely. And I, it's, it's, it's definitely so true. Number three in the problem with the crutch is guilt. Yeah, so this kind of goes back to the other one. I, you could have actually combined these is 
is if you use someone as a financial crutch, you, if you have any sort of conscience, you should feel guilty if you go, like, like the car example, if you're borrowing your parents' car three times a week because your car won't start and you're, you know you're inconveniencing them, you should feel uh, some guilt. And guilt's a horrible emotion, right? So you, you know, that should be something you don't like and you want to avoid. And again, if you've, if you've used somebody as a financial crutch and then you go live, do some lavish thing that they can't even afford to do, the people that offer the crutch, you should feel guilt. And so guilt here, in this case, guilt is a positive emotion. It's going to prevent you from going to your crutch over and over more often than you should. And I think the real problem is when you get to uh, stage four and five, so entitlement and dependency, and maybe you don't even feel guilt at all. You just feel entitled. And then therefore, the dependency kind of gets buried within that. This is like a tree growing in your backyard. It doesn't, it's not big overnight offering a whole bunch of shade, but it is growing a little bit all the time. So the, those stages of toxic charity, they, they, they will sneak up on you and you will be in dependency and you're going to wake up one day and say, how did I get here? And you won't even know how. Number four of six is the problem with the crutch is that light, it really um, limits life's direction. So if you are dependent on somebody and just say the person who's offering the crutch, the financial crutch, just say they believe in, I don't know, they believe in new cars and they're going to help you get a new car when really you believe in used cars and, and they, they have no interest in helping you buy a used car. They don't know anything about a used car, but they're the only financial crutch in your life. So you really have to buy into their philosophy, their their belief system is your belief system. And you end up having to buy into their drinking the Kool-Aid that new cars are the only way to go and that's what you should do. And it, then when you start believing it, you've really crossed the threshold and, and you, you're probably into the dependency of toxic charity, but the, um, it's your direction is limited by the direction of your, the people offering the financial crutch in your life. So it, just say it's credit, that's your financial crutch, then your life is limited by the amount of credit that you have available to you. I mean, that, that is a roadblock in your life. No, I love that because it's it, it speaks volumes to how maybe you could compromise your own financial values when you do kind of get caught up in it, relying on a crutch. So that's it's, it's a very, very valuable point. Number five of six is you are limited by the limitations of your crutch. So if the people helping you only have so much financial means, your crutch, or you, the credit available to you, then, then that is as far as you can go in life. That, that it, or just say it's your job. You have a job and you don't develop a resourceful toolbox. You don't develop the skills to get advancement or succeed in your career, like to go further. If you just say, well, you know, I'm not good with spreadsheets, therefore, um, you know, I'm going to always be at this level in the organization as an accountant because I'm just not good with spreadsheets. You know, if that's a limiting belief of yours, then it will come true. It will be, it will be your limitation if you let it. So if that's a crush you're going, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not good with computers. I hear that one a lot. Right? Oh, I do too, actually. You know, I, I just, I'm just not a computer person. Or I, here's another one. I'm not a reader. 
You know, Ooh, yep. I, I, I'm not a reader and therefore I never get, gain additional knowledge, you know, cause I just, I'm just not a reader. Right. So I, a net, I'm a Netflix guy, but I'm not a reader. <laughs> well, you're not going to get a lot smarter watching Netflix, right? You need to get some knowledge into your mind. The most efficient, the most cost-effective way is through reading. These really are like roadblocks, and you can roadblocks that you use as a crutch to not achieve more, do more, um, whether it be health, fitness, or financially. So I, I, I really, really like this point. Number six, the final problem with the crutch is that it enables a false, unsustainable reality. Yeah, so this is, if you keep going back to the well and you keep going to your financial crutch, and quite often this is in the form of credit, so you're using your home equity line of credit. This is the one I wish it never existed. If any home equity line of credit is, is as you pay down your mortgage or your the value of your home appreciates, then the bank will, in their good conscience, will <laughs> let you borrow money, uh, basically increasing the size of your mortgage. And this this looks like you, and the problem with this is you just keep making your mortgage payments. Nothing's changed. The only thing is the bank now owns more of the house than you than it used to, right? Because you've, you've dipped into the equity of your home. So this People will, will spend this money and spend this money just a little bit at a time, you know, a vacation here, a home improvement there, and they will just sort of go go at it a little bit at a time. And before you know it, you, you're back to where you started on, on your mortgage, right? You owe as much as the day you bought it. So this this gives you this false sense that, that, that this lifestyle I've created, this financial life, it's actually sustainable. We can do this. But happening in the background is this, this credit being consumed. And I use the home equity line of credit because it's a sneaky one. It's one that you, it's not like you you get a bill like every month like this new this new expense showed up in your life because you got a new credit card. This is a mortgage payment that you always keep making, but you keep siphoning money off the top and spending it. So the credit, generally, like your parents or somebody, a person in your life they're not going to represent unsustainable reality. Like they're not going to keep helping you and helping you and helping you so you can live a lavish lifestyle. Like the, that generally doesn't happen. People get tired of that. But credit, a home equity line of credit, it never gets tired of helping you. <laughs> it will do it until until it ruins you. So credit is a financial crutch. It honestly, it delivers this false reality that that, that you could, could, this is doable, so that brings us to the end of our list of the problem with the crutch, as well as talking about ways that sh- that cr- crutches show up in our life. And uh, along with, we talked about this toxic charity as well. And all of that will be in the show notes, so you can refer back to it after the show. So again, that's the end of today's episode. Thank you so much for being here with us today as we talked about why a crutch is your enemy We will see you back here next week with a brand new show. Until then, keep it simple.